Hey, this is Pastor Devin. Thanks so much for joining us. I pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. Before we jump into the message this week, the guys at Riverbend and Deberry are joining us on the other side of that camera back there. Come on, church family, let's welcome them. Come on, you do better than that. Yeah, welcome, guys. Glad you guys are along for the ride today. We are in our final week of At The Movies. It's always one of our most anticipated series here at Connect. If you enjoyed it this year, if you guys enjoyed At The Movies, I know you got, everyone's got their own favorite. And our hope and prayer is that it's not only fun and entertaining, but that it brings a deeper understanding, maybe a fuller revelation of God's word as we look at these movies and draw redemptive truths from them. Because we know if that happens in your life, your life will be transformed as you understand God's word in a different way. Next week, we kick off a brand new series, also one of the favorites around here. It's called You Asked For It. Uh, we do a survey at Easter every year because that's when everybody shows up at church. And we ask them what they would like to hear a sermon or a series on. And then we take the top answers from that survey and we create a series from it. The entire month of September is going to be dedicated to your answers. And I'm looking forward to starting that next next weekend. We are uh, looking at today a movie that our family loves. It's the 2017 box office blockbuster, The Greatest Showman. It's... um, if you haven't already picked up on it, if you uh, see people just randomly starting to sing, it's a musical, everybody. So guys, just get over it right now. Just get over it. Why are they singing? It's a musical. And it was inspired by, of course, the life of Phineas Taylor Barnum, the creation of what would become the most famous circus in the world. He grew up poor, the son of a tailor, scorned and mistreated by the wealthy father of the girl that he loved. And although their dad tries to keep them separated... They begin to dream of the future that they could have together. P.T. Barnum actually found motivation in Charity's father's rejection, and he dedicates his life to this single endeavor of showing her dad and the rest of the world that he deserves to be loved, that he deserves to belong. Let me ask you a question this morning. What motivates you? Why do you do the things that you do? Do you find yourself trying to prove others wrong? Do you find yourself motivated by people's acceptance, their approval, their perception of you? Be, be really honest. Why do, you, why do you really do what you do? Why do you dress the way you do? Why do you listen to the music that you do? Why do you present yourself the way that you do? Why do you have the job that you do? Young person, why do you have the major that you're studying in school? I've found that in a lot of cases, it's other people that end up either leading or limiting what we pursue in our lives. Could even be a family member, could be a spouse. And we end up either settling or straining for achievement based upon other people's expectations. Paul talks about this in Galatians 1. He says this, do you think I care about the approval of men or the, about the approval of God? Do you think I'm on a mission to please people. Now, if, if some of us were honest, our life's mission has really been about keeping other people happy. If I'm still spinning my wheels, and if you've tried it, you know that it goes nowhere, trying to please men, then there is no way that I can be a servant of the anointed one, the liberating king. The reality is most of us spend our lives chasing the wrong things. Stephen Covey says it this way. We're so busy climbing the ladder of success that we fail to realize that it's leaning against the wrong wall. 
I like to say it this way, the greatest tragedy of your life would be to succeed at something that God never called you to do. Some of us are succeeding at the things that God didn't even call us to do. Think about it. Did God, did God call you to pursue what you're currently pursuing? Was that just something you wanted to, to do? Was it to prove something to someone else? Was it the safest thing? Was it the security of it? That's why you pursued it? We're gonna watch this play out in P.T. Barnum's life as he pursues this idea of success, convinced that he'll find fulfillment when he gets there. And although he becomes a household name in America, the greatest showman tells us of his struggles, his setbacks, as he constantly wrestles with his own fear of failure and finding acceptance. P.T. Barnum was a dreamer. He said things like, men suffer more from imagining too little than too much, and comfort is the enemy of progress. I love dreamers. I love being around them. I I love that they see the potential, the possibilities of what could be. And yet dreamers, when left to themselves, can often make ill-advised decisions, choices, hoping that the dream could become a reality. In P.T. Barnum's case, he was even willing to lie taking the risk of convincing a bank to give him a large loan with collateral that didn't even exist. I guess technically it did. It was just at the bottom of the South China Sea. With the wax museum not drawing any interest, PT realizes that he needs something more sensational. So he goes on the hunt for some unique people, a bearded lady, an abnormally tall man, a guy with one too many tattoos, a man covered in hair, what they all had in common. They were all people that were not accepted, valued by society. They were the people that were scoffed at and laughed at and discarded. They were considered misfits and outcasts. They were those that were to be hidden. They were the people that you did not associate with because they were different. But Barnum saw the beauty in each one of them. He reached out to them and he celebrated their differences. He, he had belief in them that allowed for them to then dream of a world where their uniqueness didn't limit them, but actually gave them possibilities, opportunity. Reminds me of how Jesus loved the ones that no one else seemed to love. When society would shun and reject those sick with leprosy, Jesus would touch them. He would heal them. When women were seen as inferior, he would use them to build his kingdom. He would include them. When culture would build barriers based on race or gender or political affiliation, Jesus broke down the walls, made them one through unity, through faith in him. Jesus is the great unifier. He brings together what's been torn apart. And by the way, it's what he still wants to do today. He wants to unify. In fact, it's why he came to earth to bring us back to God, to unify us, to reconcile us. The Bible says that when we were far from God, Romans chapter five, God demonstrates his love for us. How? But even while we were sinning, his son comes and dies for us, lays his life down for us. While we were still lost in our sin, when we didn't feel Lovable when we were alone and isolated and dirty. Yes, even when we were intentionally still sinning, Christ willingly lays himself down. Why? So that we could be unified back to our father, to God, 
He provides an avenue of relationship and forgiveness. He was willing to take a chance on us, even with free will. P.T. Barnum was willing to take a chance on some very unique people, a chance actually that paid off. They started to attract large audiences, despite protests and poor reviews by a local critic, which then prompted Barnum to change the name from the museum to Barnum's Circus. This combined with lights and music and acrobatics, all that we know the circus to be, it became a huge success. And with that came all of the things that P.T. Barnum was convinced would bring he and his family happiness and contentment. Even buying and refurbishing the old mansion that he and Charity used to play in as kids. But no amount seems to satisfy him. Citywide fame, notoriety notoriety proved to, to be nothing to him. So now he goes on the search to further his reputation among the upper class. He meets a young playwright by the name of Philip Carlyle. And he convinces him to join his venture. This brought with it even more opportunity to be further well-known, not just in America, but around the world. <laughs> Does anyone really uh, laugh like that? I don't know if anyone really laughs like that. This is the life that I promised you, he says, to which she responds, we actually don't need all of this. You see, they were both looking to different things to provide happiness. Proverbs 15, look what it says. Better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil. Better to have a dish of vegetables where there is love than juicy steaks where there is hate. In other words, it's better to live simply surrounded in holy awe and worship of God than to have great wealth with a home full of strife and turmoil and disunity. This is actually where we begin to see pride surface in Barnum's life. You see, it was always there, but success just revealed it. This isn't about me, he says, to which she responds, oh, so this is different than everything else. In other words, it is all about you. Pride is the secret killer. Pride will lead you down a path of destruction. The path to true success is never paved in arrogance. In fact, success is probably the worst thing that could ever happen to a prideful person. And it will eventually reveal itself. Proverbs 11, look at the difference between the result of pride and humility in our lives. When pride comes, boiling up with an arrogant attitude of self-importance, then comes dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable, who have been chiseled by trial and have learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness of mind. Which one would you prefer? Then it goes on to say in verse three that the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed, listen to this, by their duplicity. This is exactly where P.T. Barnum is at. Moments of clarity, what really matters are swallowed up by this gnawing sense of discontentment in his life, longing to be viewed as successful by people who just walk around and try to impress one another. Meanwhile, the people that he should really be concerned about are becoming more unimpressed with the person he's becoming. It's this kind of duplicity that tears away at the very foundation of integrity. What does Philip say? Well, if you want society to accept you, well, if that's your goal. Question, who is it that you long to be recognized by? 
whose stamp of approval and acceptance are you convinced would bring some level of contentment in your life? What phone call have you been longing for? I mean, even after being involved, mixing amongst the elite of the British monarchy, P.T. still finds himself looking for the next thing. Unfortunately, his pride only continues to grow. He's on the hunt to discover what gains him the approval and acceptance among the aristocrats and the upper class, which is exactly what he's going to find. How apropos, though, that the lyrics of that song are P.T. Barnum's life. Towers of gold, still too little. His hands could hold the world and it would still never be enough. That's actually the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter five, we read it this week. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that that wealth would bring us happiness. Jesus said it this way, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Listen to that. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having possessions. The problem is when possessions have us. Jesus said life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. It's, it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what actually does matter. He's saying it's better because the wisdom of life consists of the elimination of the non-essentials. That's actually wisdom. The problem is we actually don't believe that. We believe that more is better. If one dollar is good, Two's better. One Krispy Kreme is good. That's actually true, by the way. That's, a, that's the wrong, that's a bad example. Two is better on that one. Uh, if one car is good, how about this? If one car is good, two's better. If one child is good, two's better, maybe. I don't know. Ecclesiastes chapter four. Better, look, what's better? One handful with tranquility, with peace, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. More is not always better, friend. What if we were content with less? Job chapter nine, look what he says. My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. So I'm running all over the place each day going faster than the other, and I don't find any joy in the midst of it. Some of us need to start trying to get the right things done, not more things done. Stop measuring our lives and our success by how much we do and how much we have. It's the pursuit of more. Barnum is on the path of doing more, but not doing what is right. He knows that he's struck gold with the talent of Jenny Lind, though. And from his perspective, what he's been chasing is finally within reach, which only leads him further away from the people in his life that matter most. Jenny, this is my wife. Did anyone else, when they were sitting there in the hotel room, have that thought of, run, <laughs> get out of there? The Bible would say, flee. What are you doing in the room anyway to begin with? Jenny says, life always manages to remind me that I don't deserve, deserve a place in this world. And that leaves a hole that no ovation could ever fill. How many of us could relate? Isn't it all what we're 
looking for to some degree to be accepted, to belong, for people in our lives to truly love us, to genuinely care for us, to unconditionally accept us with all of our quirks and eccentricities. This is the insatiable journey that P.T. Barnum was on, trying to fill the hole that was inside of him with possessions and fleeting moments of applause and approval based on performance. Charity says, first it was the house, then it's Jenny Lind. When will it ever be enough? Look around, you have everything you need. You don't need everyone to love you, she says. Just a few good people. You know, there's nothing wrong with P.T. Barnum wanting to better his life, to work hard, to get ahead, to provide for he and his family. There's nothing wrong with that. But somehow, when we do the right things for the wrong reason, it will always lead us down the wrong path. Ambition, it's what makes the world go round. Cures to diseases are found. Jobs are created. Ambition is what makes people push through. But when we do the right things for the wrong reason, it will always lead us down the wrong path along the way. P.T. had glimpses of what really mattered. Most of the time, it was his wife reminding, uh, reminding him what those things were. But he doesn't see it. And happiness is not found in temporary success, but it's actually found in our relationships with our family, with the people around us. True success is not found in the what, it's found in the who of life. There's a reason they say that it's lonely at the top. Because if we're not careful, we'll forget about the who and we'll be consumed with the what. And if you're trying to define your success solely on the what and you forget about the who, you might end up at the top, but it will be very lonely. Because life is not just comprised of accomplishment and achievement. It's about the people that God brings into your life along the way and going on the journey together, everybody. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I'd like to give a shot at being alone at the top. (laughs) And if you think you don't need people in your life, you are sorely mistaken. How do you define success? Maybe this week you can sit down and consider that question. I consider success to be when those that know me the best respect me the most. Because it's one thing for people to respect you that don't even know you. It's another thing for those that know you best, warts and all, Devin and all that he is that know me best and still respect me the most. That's success because they have lots of reasons not to. Do you have anybody that really knows you? This is why groups are so important in your life. Today, group signups, please, I'm asking you, protect yourself from arriving at the top lonely desperate, trying to fill the hole. Find people that know you, that do unconditionally love you and care for you, genuinely want to be in your life. You can't live without it. You can try, but it won't be fulfilling. And Jenny tells him, when you're careless with other people, you bring ruin upon yourself. Why? Because Barnum forgot about the who and he only focused on the what. Jenny Lynn calls off the tour. Unprompted, she kisses him and it's caught by a journalist. Not only that, but Barnum then returns home to his circus being going up in flames. 
going to the ground caused by a fight between the troop and rioters. Here's what he's about to find out. Proverbs chapter 11, that a thick bankroll is no help when life falls apart, but a principled life. Because we don't live by pressure, we live by principle. A principled life. What are the principles of your life? Those are actually the things that are going to hold you. Then it goes on to say in the same chapter that he who leans on, trusts in, is confident in his riches will fall. But the righteous who trust in God's provision will flourish like a green leaf. His whole world is crashing down around him. Everything that he's put his confidence in is now gone. And yet it's the very thing that's going to lead him back to what really matters. One of the clearest messages in this movie is this. You can get what you want, but you might lose what you've already got in the process. Barnum got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. He chose fame and fortune and success, the admiration of a beautiful woman, but he lost what he had. He lost time with his kids. He lost his family. He loses trust with his wife. His friends hardly recognize him anymore. You you can get what you want, but you might lose what you've already got. If I had one verse that could encompass this entire movie, it would be Mark chapter eight. We soaped through it. If you try to hang on to your life, the life that you want, the life that you prefer, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, Give up your preferences for my sake and for the sake of the good news. You will actually save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose? Another translation says forfeit your own soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? Problem was PT had a divided heart. He was duplicitous in his efforts and it destroyed. And the Bible actually tells us it's impossible to serve two masters. Specifically speaking about the spirit that rests on money, it says you cannot serve God and mammon. That is a spirit that rests on money, possessions, fame, status, whatever is valued more than God. You can't do it. If the Bible says you can't do it, guess what? You cannot do it. So what do we learn? How do we build the life that God wants us to really build? Three things. First, we have to pursue humility. Humility. Because at the end of the day, it all started with pride. Pride led him to the pursuit of more. Pride led him to depending upon himself. Pride led him to putting confidence in his money and his possessions. Pride led him to being careless with the people that was in his life. First Peter chapter 5 says this, All of you need to clothe yourselves with humility. In other words, you're going to have to put it on. You have to make the choice to clothe yourself in humility. This is a a value that our culture doesn't really value. But you're going to have to choose, make the choice to clothe yourself in it. And then it goes on to say this, because God opposes the proud. Now, I don't know if we fully grasp the weight of that statement. If there's... If there's anyone that I don't want opposing me, it's someone with the name of God. 
I mean, another translation says that God resists you when you are proud, but he multiplies grace and favor on your life when you're humble. Now, we all want the multiplied grace and favor. What we don't want is to clothe ourselves, to put it on, to choose, to put humility on. Humble yourselves, therefore, under his mighty hand. Why? So that he may lift you up in due time. In other words, our job is humility. Our job is submission. There's another word our world does not like. Our job is to faithfully keep showing up with the right attitude and spirit. And when we do, God will bring the opportunity. Let me say it like this. Leave the promoting to God, friend. Psalm 138. Although he is the greatest of all, he is attentive to the humble and he keeps his distance from the proud and the pompous. You choose. You can choose to put it on and have multiplied grace and favor on your life or you can choose for him to be distant and to be resistant and to oppose you. Here's the second thing you need to pursue. You need to pursue contentment. Contentment. Boy, do we need this in America today. Because everyone's always telling you, yeah, but you really need this. And if you get that, you'll be content. I, my daughter asked me for something this week. And I said, well, honey, what is it? She goes, I don't really know, but everyone says it's amazing, so I need it. I was like, what? Yeah, we need that. And again, the, the Bible doesn't condemn the accumulation of wealth, but it does give us some direction. Money and possessions in and of themselves aren't dangerous. It's the love of them that's dangerous. First Timothy chapter six, but those who chase riches are constantly falling into temptation. They are regularly caught by their own stupid and harmful desires, dragged down, pulled into ruin and destruction. This is P.T. Barnum's experience. For the, here's the phrase, the love of money and the love of the things that money can buy is the root of all sorts of evil. Some already have wandered away from the true faith because, look at this, they craved what it had to offer. But when they actually got the prize, they found their hands and hearts pierced with sorrow. The love of money, at the very least, leads to sorrow, separation between your relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 13, we soap through it today. If you didn't already, you will later today. Keep your lives free from the love of money and, and then he says these two words, be content, satisfied with what you have. And then look at this. When you become discontent with your things, why do you think Paul then just immediately reminds us of the presence of God? Because when you start pursuing things to fill the hole, you start distancing yourself from the presence of God. And he just says, hey, by the way, don't love money because you actually have Christ. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm with you. And then he says that I'm the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. He is eternally changeless, friend. He never changes. He is constant. The problem is that we put our trust in things that are constantly changing and fluctuating. Markets, funds, opinions, fads. And when your trust is in that, your life will look like that. Your life looks like what you trust in. What do you trust in? Money? Is your happiness 
dependent upon the balance in the checking account? The next promotion is your happiness on whether or not you get the position that you know you deserve. People's approval is your happiness wrapped up. Is it wrapped up in your talent and your ability? Jesus Christ is the only one who never changes. He's enough, friend. Single lady, he's enough. Christ is enough. Single mom, Christ is enough. Married couple, Christ is enough. Businessman, Christ is enough. Am I preaching to anybody today? Christ is enough for you. He's enough for you. First Timothy chapter six, yet true, look at this, godliness with contentment. That's where great wealth is. And here's the thing about contentment, you're gonna have to fight for it. Well, how, how do I pursue contentment, Devin? You become acquainted with all that you do have rather than spending all your time wishing about the things that you don't have. What would you do if someone gave you $10,000? Well, how much of it would be about your wish list and how much of it would make an eternal impact? I mean, if you wanna grow in contentment, you need to grow in gratitude for what you've already been given. Stop, stop trying to keep up with the world's rendition of success. They're determining, now the world is determining what we pursue now. But Paul says this in Philippians chapter four. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have, and here's what we need to do, learned to be content. It's gonna be tough. You're gonna have to learn it. You're gonna have to put humility on whatever the circumstances. Some of us, we find discontentment because of unrealized expectations that we have. I expected that I'd be further along. I expected that I'd be making this much money. I expected that I would be living here. What if you learned to be content and you lowered your expectation and found joy in the goodness of God that you've already been given? You're gonna have to learn to wrap yourself, clothe yourself in humility and to be content. Finally, you need to pursue the eternal. The eternal. Because the truth is, money is not eternal. In fact, I don't know if any of your parents would say, my money is temporal. My goodness. It is here and gone. Proverbs 23, look. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Don't trust in your own cleverness, but be wise enough to know when to quit. Quit what? Trying to just get more. Because in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. It sprouts wings and flies away. Proverbs 11, if if you want to know how money plays into the eternal, look at this verse. When judgment day comes, all the wealth of the world will not help you one bit. So what do I need to be focusing on? You better be rich in righteousness, right? Living with God, relationship with God. Why? Because that's the only thing that can save you. First Timothy chapter six. This is why we need to teach those who are rich not to be proud, not to trust in their money. It's unreliable. Their trust should be in the eternal, in the almighty living creator, God. Here's what he's saying. You've trusted the wrong thing. You convinced yourself that it's gonna provide contentment and happiness. And if I, if I just had that, I'd be at peace. But you won't. Why? Let me say it this way. You cannot depend on the temporal to satisfy the eternal. And you are an eternal being, friend. God created you that way. Your soul will live forever. And you're trying to satisfy it with things that are going to be burnt up. We're eternal. 
We're trying to satisfy something with temporal things that will never be answered that way. Luke chapter 12. Yes, a person is a fool. To store up earthly wealth, but not to have a rich relationship with God. That's the eternal. Why? Because ultimate success is found in your eternal relationship with God. My primary identity is not in what I drive and where I live. It's as a son of God. It's a child of God. That's my identity. All the other stuff will go away, but that's still who I am. You have to be careful where you're finding your identity. Why do you drive the car that you drive? Be honest. Really. I mean, be honest. Why do you really drive that car? Well, I just want to get from point A to point B. Those upgrades are doing more than that. I mean, I'm just saying, why do you, why? I mean, you think God's going, what is impressive? I, I'm just, it's a, it's a question. It's a legitimate question. What's the motivation? It's not wrong to have, but when you do the right things with the wrong motivation, it will take you down the wrong path. You have to be careful. I'm not identified by what people think about me. No, he approves of me. And he's the only one I need approval from. By the way, he's the only one that you need approval from. Are you seeking his approval? Why'd you buy that bag, ladies? I'm coming for you too. Listen. Why why is it on your shoulder? I'm just asking the question. I mean, it's a legitimate question. Why? What's the point? Wait till they see me carrying this. I'm just saying. It's the truth. And I'm just asking, do you get so consumed with the what of life that you're missing the who? You're missing the who of God. You're missing the eternal. You're missing the people around you while you're trying to impress those that you don't even know. That is, amen. Because life, listen to me, life's all about relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Am I connecting in a real way with God? Because if I get him in first place, everything else finds itself in its proper place. He's got to be first. The Bible says it's foolish. It's foolish to store up treasure on earth and not have a rich relationship with God. I mean, you can get what you want, but you might lose what you already got. So let me just, let me give you this thought. Don't allow what you think you want to get in the way of who God knows you can become. I mean, we, we, we just get in the way, don't we? The disciples talking how difficult it is for someone of wealth to get into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, it's really hard. They're flabbergasted by it. Look what they say in Mark 10. Then who has any chance to get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus is blunt in his reply. Look what he says. Well, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off. But every chance in the world, if you let God do it, and if you wanna let God do it this morning in your life, would you just say amen to that? Come on, let's bow our heads and pray. God, we submit to you. We clothe ourselves in humility. We put it on this morning. We recognize that we... We need you. 
We recognize that we actually do need some people in our life. And we ask for forgiveness for pursuing the stuff, but we love our stuff. Pursuing the stuff that really doesn't matter. But we commit to putting you in first place because if you're in first place, everything else has its proper place in our life. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Devin, everything else is out of whack. It's not in its proper place. I am slave to the world's version of success. I am slave to people's opinion. I'm slave to people's approval of me. I perform all day long, longing to fill a hole that only can be filled by the eternal, by God. And if you're here this morning, you say, I, I need to start filling the hole with the right thing, with the eternal, with the thing that lives forever, with a relationship with God. If you're here this morning, you say, I want to start that relationship. Then would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to start filling the hole of my life with that. Anybody? Yes. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. God bless you. Fill, fill it with what really matters. Because the world will tell you you need it. And you don't. You need a rich relationship with God. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. He provides a way. He not only forgives you, but now he unifies you back to God the Father through a relationship with him. And right there, you say, I, I want to make sure that he's in first place. God, forgive me for not putting you first. Come into my life. Help me. Help me. Help me to be content. Give me the strength to not be slave to the pool of this world and the things of this world, but help me to live with an eternal perspective. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in us today, among us. Thank you, God, that you took a chance on us. That in spite of our sin, you still chose to create a way for us to be in relationship. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your provision. Thank you that we are blessed, that we're here this morning with life and health and air in our lungs. You are the beginning. You are the end. Our life is in you. Your mercies are new every morning. It is in you and by you and through you that I have my being. And I just wake up every day going, thank you, God, for that. Help me not to be distracted by the things of this world that would want to deter me from a rich relationship with you. And if that's your prayer this morning, if you're thankful for all that God has done over these last four weeks, would you give God the best ovation you have all day? Come on, let our team know how much you love them too. I love you guys. God bless you guys. Thanks again for listening. If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at Wilson Central High School at either 9 or 11 o'clock a.m. I'll look forward to seeing you there.